I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm fucking tired, but I'm good. Why didn't you sleep last night? Oh, because I, I've got Jack doors living in my fucking chimney, you know. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That's the worst part. It would be an amazing like oh, I got Jack doors living in my chimney, waking me up at four a.m. every day. Um, and yeah, so I've got Jack doors living in my fucking chimney. So because of that, I couldn't sleep the other night. And then obviously I, my sleeping pattern got all fucked up. So I, I accidentally reversed it and slept during the day. Uh, so now what I have to do is basically power through, stay awake till the reasonable time, go to bed, sleep in patterns, kind of, you know what I mean, yeah. back to normal. If you stay awake past 3.30 a.m., and I realise it's about 3.30 to 4 a.m., which, to be fair, if I finish work at 2, chances are I'm just laying on the sofa playing Gwent or something. Yeah. There's a high percentage chance they're going to wake up and then start making lots of noise. Because <laughs> the other day, I, I basically I was about to go to bed because I started at, like, 2. Uh, no, 3, sorry. <laughs> so I was about to go to sleep, and then they started chirping, so I just went down with some paperwork and then went to bed afterwards woke up at like three o'clock to go to work and obviously now i'm just kind of running around doing that so two key questions here phil first one is yes um why are you sleeping in the room with the chimney there's unfortunately uh you see yes and no i am and i'm not i am sleeping in the room with the chimney but both the rooms have chimneys in them oh. and both the chimneys have jack doors in them. wow so um yeah because initially they were just in the bedroom chimney so i thought oh, i saw right i'll sleep on the sofa no problem and now they're in the sofa one as well. So it's just kind of like I've got jack doors either side. The only room, like the only room they're not in, is like the kitchen. So I mean, I could. Oh, no, no, you can hear them in the kitchen because the kitchen pairs. Are, yeah, no, you can literally hear them in every room as well. If you get to sleep before they get they get up, can you sleep through it? But yeah, I can sleep through it, Dave. Okay, but the, the just if they're going, you can't. Yeah. yeah, sure. And when you finish late, like I said, you finish a little bit later than usual, uh, and then you kind of, uh, well, you you end up just missing out on your on your day really. Can you sleep in the pub? Not while people are there, and the cleaner comes in very early. Yeah. So I'd have, the, I'd have the same. What I'd be doing there, Dave, is replacing the enemy of this piece with the uh, the cleaner, uh, and not the jackdaws. That's distracting hate away from them, and I feel like that's just not something I want to do to the people who listen to this show. Yeah. But obviously, they've got little chicks, so all you hear every morning is like, honey, "It's quite cute." Because you got little chicks living in the chimney. I feel like I'm their stepdad. Um, I don't really know what's going on, but they're quite happy about it all. Um, yeah, but they'll they'll fly off soon. So they only take what two weeks worth of infancy. Have you looped this up in the meantime? Yes, I have. I figured you might have. When mm. can I get some fucking sleep from these jackdaws? Yeah, <laughs> jackdaw. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely, jackdaw infancy is uh, is quite a little thing on there. But yeah, there's even like a massive thread of jackdaw and chimney. There's just tons of them. They're like they really invest places apparently, <laughs> but you can't burn them out. So you have to well, not burn them out, but you know what I mean, like. You, you can't, like, do anything about them. It's not as if I can light a fucking fire up their ass, because A, that would be cruel, and I don't really want to hear to the chicks, and B, it would smell like chicken and they'd get hungry. Like, there's, there's no winning here. Um, You're right. But they're literally, they're everywhere. Why why haven't, why hasn't your landlord got rid of the jackdaws? Because it's, 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 um, it's not something you can do when they're nesting there, as far as I'm aware. Right. We've got to wait for them to piss off, and then once we piss off, we can cage the chimney. Oh, right, okay. So you, you can't, it's difficult to remove them, but once they're gone, you can keep them out. Well, one of them, there's no way of really removing them because the chimney's blocked up at the bottom. So it's just kind of like the old funnel. Why don't you, know, it's you like, find a small child and give them fingerless gloves and then send them up the chimney? Well, I did what I didn't, I did think about going Dickensian on it. Um, it to be honest. Like, yeah. I mean, to be honest, there's just no time to go Dickensian anymore. Um, it's just this is a modern world we live in and I'm looking for modern solutions I appreciate it's difficult to get fingerless gloves when it isn't Christmas but <laughs> it is very hard I'm sure like you know it'll be somewhere like Claire, Claire's Accessories they sell that kind of shit don't they probably they'll be a fashion shop they, they'll come in fashion just um, a music style will probably wear them and they'll start getting worn again you know what it's like emo shops because uh, yeah. I used to have them when I was an emo you weren't an emo Peel you were a rocker you just hung around with some emo. You weren't really an emo peel. I was an emo rocker. Well, no, because I listen to more metal, but I do like. You were a greeb or a greb. Yeah, that's good. I was. A... I don't know what I was. I was just going through usual thing. Anyway, guys, shall we crack on? Because. So were you a, were you a metaler that had to go around with your hands in your pockets all the time to 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 hide the fact you were wearing fingerless gloves? <laughs> it was a secret passion of mine, but I only wore one fingerless glove as like a tribute to MJ. <laughs> 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 Made it easier to open doors, Tony. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> one white fingerless glove. <laughs> yeah. 
Billie Jean is uh, it's not my lover. Really sexy, mate. Really mm. sexy. Well, that was a wonderful episode 101. So cheers for joining us, listeners. And <laughs> Ready? One, two, three, four. His name is Tony. He rides a pony. He gets a little groaning. His name is Tony, 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 Tony. What a lovely man. Gives me a bit of a bony. <laughs> what a wonderful new theme tune. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Banter Behind the Throne. This is episode 101. I am your host as always, Dave Bamford, and I am joined today by my co-host, Mr. Tony Makos. Say hello, Tony. Hello, everyone. Hey, I hear you give people bonies, Tony. Uh, apparently that is the case. That is no cast in stone <laughs> and in audio perpetuity, I guess. Canon, yeah. as they might say. Uh, <laughs> which sounds like an amazing thing you might take to a stag do. Um, I'm also jo- joined by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Thomas Peel. Say hello, Peel. He's on mute. <laughs> uh, hello, Dave and Tony. Uh, He's not on mute. He's taking it off mute. I'm where fine. Are you sat right now? Who are you sat with? I'm currently sat in Waffles Kitchen. Um, well, yeah, because they're in the lounge. Uh, well, he's 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 not actually here anymore. I sent him back in the other room. Yeah, because that's why I was mute. Okay, he, yeah. he was like, "I'm going to listen," and then he's but he, he's <laughs> no, no, he was, uh, and he's more than welcome to. But uh, I, you know, for audio quality i need to switch it over to the laptop so he'll listen in shortly but at the moment because i'm on my phone and i can't put the phone on speaker it would genuinely make everything impossible well our listeners will be pleased that we've made contact with waffle he is alive for those who don't know him waffles the man singing the theme tune as he does every week he's a wonderful friend of ours and we're glad to know that he's back um i hope you're not going to get sexiled to the car this time no, Good. no, I'm not. Because that was a rather just no. crap, you know, distressing episode. No, we just well as long as you know we're not too much past a various time, as in their bedtime. I'm pretty sure there shouldn't be any issues at all. But <laughs> so there's know, still just, a chance. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. It, it's a lower percentage chance. Okay. Than normal. Well, um, it is a school night. It is ten past ten, and we were supposed to start recording an hour ago. We got a little distracted. Uh, so. Let's get this episode on the road, because it's you need to get home. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 101, which is amazing. Well done, guys. We've done a great job getting here. I'm very proud. So, I won't say too much about episode 100, except the fact that it was amazing, and thank you so much for everyone to come, uh, everyone who came. I really hope you had a good time. Yeah, well, let's talk about the weekend in general. Yeah, more specifically the day after, and the tournament we were there for, I think, is probably... Tell us, Peel, what, what happened the next day? What did we do? What was it? We we played a game of... Uh, was it Game of Thrones, I believe? The card game. Uh, some would say it's a, it's a common card game. I played Greyjoy. Um, you played... I have a bit... I've actually, Dave, I still don't know what you played because I was about to sit down opposite you and we sat down and we were all like, let's do this. And I'm pretty sure it was Martel you were running. But at the same time, I'm also sure it's Baratheon. I don't know why. In my head, <laughs> it's neither of those. I don't know why I've got them. It was neither of those. Well, in that case, and I have no idea what you would play. Tyrell. Tyrell. I did have both Baratheon and Martell cards in my deck. because so I was playing... Tyrell yeah, you had, you had both green and oranges. I remember both the uh, green and green the orange. Green and orange and yellow and blue. Um, and some other yeah, colours. Yeah, you had all sorts. Not all the colours. Yeah. This, uh, time, this, this uh, time, it was perfectly legal for you to do so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what were you doing that day? Um, I, for some inexplicable reason, was put in charge of you lot. Yes, you were. You were. You are our boss for the day. Which, um, which is a strange position to be in. And I, I know because normally you're the gimp. Yeah, well, exactly. Normally I'm under the table, kind of with a you know zip on lid on that. But yeah, um, but you love it down there. So that's anyway. <laughs> I do. It gets a bit cramped, but that's what I like, right? <laughs> Staying up in charge of you lot is, is probably. Um, Probably picking up my position slightly, but uh, I, I guess I was tournament organizer for mm. the Game of Thrones LCG Second Edition Grand Championship 2019, 
at the Birmingham NEC at the UK Games Expo to give it its full title. Ultimately, I typed all your names in the Joystick Pavilion and I did it again and again and again and again. And again, that's six times. Yeah, there you go, six rounds. Um, uh, don't forget the cut the next time. I, yeah. did, I did all of that stuff. Um, uh, yeah, oh. it was fine, I guess. It's fine. Not, nobody really complained. So no, I think it went really. You know, in, in the grand scheme of big tournaments, it went smoothly. I consider it a success. If, as I said numerous times on the day, nobody complained and nobody really complained. So it seems to be all. I mean, that's one of these things. Isn't it? It's like um, you don't get credit for these things when they go well, but you get shit if they go badly. That kind of thing. Mm. I didn't get credit for, you know, you, you know what I mean? If it goes smoothly and no one notices the, the stuff going on behind the scenes, then you've done a good job. So yeah. it seemed to be okay. So um, apart from the one yeah. cock, which meant that you guys didn't get to play each other. But, you know. <laughs> which, yeah. You know, I was worried I was going to lose. Um, and we both needed a win on that game. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to that when we get <laughs> to the last round, too. <laughs> we will get to it. Yeah. So you boys were actually playing the game. I was juggling paper slips and... Uh, um, wandering around, kind of being generally quite condescending to, to all of you. But the, we had like, God, I forgot how many people we had, like 70, 80 odd players or something. Nine, which was, oh, there you go. Mm. Uh, uh, which was a great turnout, and it meant we had no worries like last year of uh, not being able to award someone a flight to Minneapolis, lucky then. Um, so, yeah, it all kicked off rather well, and. Um, yeah, we did six rounds, cut top 16, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you guys actually played. And you guys were playing cards while I was sitting drinking an unhealthy amount of coffee all day. So oh. tell me how the day went. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, we turned up. It was an early start for us. Um, as I think we're all aware, none of us like early starts. I, I think I can speak for all of us quite happily. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's the commitment. You know, it's it's the game. Um, so my first get round, um, you know, I was playing gradually Lords of the Cross. Pretty standard, to be fair. I played it at the last one I went to. I'd probably play it at other ones in the future. I can't see it changing anytime soon. To be perfectly frank, it's pretty logical. Um, my first game was against the lovely Targaryen against Peter. Uh, I was actually weirdly, I started off in optimistic and high spirits, very high spirits, because um, I only uh, lost, funnily enough, to. Uh, Oh, actually, no, it doesn't matter. I lost the Martel. That's all ruined. But no, it's a lovely game, and it was nice to see so many people turn out. I don't think there was many people playing the uh, the Nice Watch build. Uh, the lowest one we had was... Yeah, Nice Watch. Um, four people played Nice Watch all day. I was uh, the most popular house with with 18 people playing. Mm. So that that's always fun. But um, highest average point, though, per house. Just... just <laughs> Just mentioning, that means Greyjoy is a little bit dominant, which I didn't realise until, uh, until uh, well, funny enough, until that day. I knew, obviously, the cards that were coming out for them. I knew they were doing well, and I knew they haven't really been hit with anything massive. But their restricted cards were more a case of you just can't banners them anymore, I noticed, uh, or as easily, uh, for example. Um, anyway, so I played Greyjoy as a crossing. First game was a uh, Targaryen deck, uh, Targaryen fealty. It's Peter, and uh, I was lucky I got off on a good start. And I was feeling a little bit cocky. A little, a little bit confident, and then we went into the uh, the game against Mike Clark, and he was, you know, playing Lords of the Crossing, and he had some lovely cards, uh, and I didn't. <laughs> that was a that was that was watching Lords of the Crossing come back and haunt you, and you're like, ah, back from a very long hiatus, Mike Clark. What, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you I don't know if you heard about this, but um, Mike hasn't played since 2016. Oh, damn. Then again, so no, I haven't. Uh, he hasn't played at all. Yeah, <laughs> and ah. he's completely out of the game. And he, he... texted in a group chat the Friday before nationals, so just over a week before. And he was like, "Does anybody still yeah. play this game?" And we're just like, literally everybody in this group chat except for you still plays this game, Mike. Um, and he said, "Oh, okay. Uh, does anybody want to like tell me what the game's like? Like, is there anything coming up soon?" We we're just like, "Oh, nationals next weekend. If you fancy." He was like, "Yeah, all right. That sounds good." And I was like, "You still <laughs> in London?" He's like, "Yeah." Fair I was enough. like, "Well, if you can make it to my house in, you know." Alex O'Feeworth and I was playing some games casually. He's like, oh, all right. And so Mike Clark was at my house like 45 minutes later playing Thrones. Was that Fair enough. Yeah. That was quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he did really well. He nice and easy. Top eight, I think. Um, he did. Yeah. Playing broken bullshit. So, you know. But uh, still, yeah. really good uh, innings from someone who was very rusty. 
He was 13th overall. Um, so, yeah, not, not bad for no 12. Sorry, my mistake. Alex O'Feeworth was actually 13th. Weirdly enough, it was a competitive um, kitchen table that day. It was, I can imagine. It was, you know, this is why we don't have tournaments in kitchens because, you know, it, bad things can happen. Anyway, so that was that my first game. Uh, my second game was obviously against Mike. Third game I won, so again, got a little bit cocky. One against David, David Kennedy. Got a little bit cocky. That was a stark field deck. I noticed, you know, at this point, I was like, Ooh, okay, so I can't beat Greyjoy because then I lost against Greyjoy Sea of Blood, which was a nice difference. Um, against Eon, um, who was going over. Uh, and obviously, we were playing that. He beat me badly again. And to be fair, Greyjoy is... I, I love Greyjoy, but sitting across from it, fucking hell, it's depressing. Because you look at all the cards, you're like, I can't block that, I can't block that, I can't block that, I'm dead. <laughs> and there's, if you can't do anything about it, that's it, game. It's just, oh, it's such a brutal thing to come against. Uh, and I thought, you know, maybe Greyjoy was my curse. And, and until the next game, where I lost to Martel, um, the Fabian from... Uh, I think he was German, wasn't he? He was, yes. He beat me badly. That's sad. Martel, man. Martel. <laughs> so, you know what I tell Martel's like, everything's going off. You're like, ah. So, uh, I'm next, I guess. I'm, I'm next in order. There's only two of us. Uh, normally, we, of course, do our tournament reports in reverse order. Uh, and sadly, we've started the wrong way around today. Uh, because I end up with a similar record to Peel. Uh, I was playing Tyrell the Conclave. Uh, I spoke about it on episode 99. Uh, those who are long-time listeners know that I love Maesters, know that I love playing Conclave decks. Hey, that's fine, Peel. We'll carry on. We'll bring you back in in a minute. Um, know that I love playing Conclave decks, uh, and I talked about how much I love Tyrell Conclave a couple of weeks ago. Um, I tried. I kept playing it. I tried to get people to convince me not to. I tried to get people to beat me, but I was beating most people with it, and I was winning most of my games. Um, my only consistent losses were to Greyjoy Crossing. But it wasn't a match that was just an auto loss. It was not awful, but I was losing most of them. So I thought, you know what, fuck it. Um, I'll play Tyrell. Let's see how it goes. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'm a, I'm a UK Nationals playing green card Maesters. Last time I did that, I got free holiday. So it seemed good. And it started good too. I played against a Lannister deck, piloted by Simon Armitage. Uh, and I started strong. And I, I think he valid turn two, but I had healing expertise for my Renly into my political disaster. No, into my King of the North. So he couldn't do shit with his shadows because it was uh, Battles of Custly Rock. And after that, it was just... Uh, as I've discussed before, like being able to put healing expertise on top of your deck and then getting it somehow, whether that's through Old Town or Steve the Septon or Renly, um, just makes it really, really strong because it's uh, a more versatile, in this deck, I guess, uh, Risen, from the, Risen from the Sea. Um, and it's really, really strong. Uh, sadly, game two, I played against Vince, which was quite heartbreaking. Um, Vince and I have played this matchup a couple of times. I really like his deck. I didn't want to uh, beat him if I could help it, but I did. Um, I think if it had gone you know, just one round longer, it would have been Vince's game. He had just started to get the control into place, but I just managed to uh, eke out a win with my renown. Uh, so I was 2-0 which I was feeling pretty confident about. Like Peel, I was getting a little cocky. I thought, green card maesters, this is going really well. Third round, I played against Joe Harrison, playing Greyjoy, Lord of the Crossing. Now, this was the deck that I thought, in testing, it wasn't going so well. This is not a great matchup. Uh, Joe's a good player. He's from London. We know each other pretty well. Uh, I was not looking forward to this, but we sat down, and a couple of rounds in, it was going pretty well. I had uh, established myself. He wasn't rushing too hard. Uh, I had the tools that I needed to do what I needed to do, and I was up on power. And I was like, you know what, if I can keep him quiet here, I should be able to close this out. I made two fatal mistakes in this game and lost it. If I had only made one of these mistakes, I would have won the game. So that was really frustrating. The first of which was I was setting up for a political disaster into... Um, uh, I was a political disaster into what I expected would be his valour. Uh, and so what I did was I used my Muramur uh, Mura to cancel the old town that he had stolen from me in standing to stop him getting more economy with the expectation that I could blow all his economy up in the plot phase, um, forgetting that Muramur could cancel iron mines, which is like uh. amateur hour. So I was really frustrated about that. Um, so he saved the iron mines and the gates of the moon, saved his Euron, who was quite instrumental in 
bringing the game back around his favour. If I had managed to keep, uh, I think, my Randall or my Renly, whoever it was that was on the board, plus um, wipe his board, I'd have been in a much better position, even if he had got the great haul that he would have got from um, from Old Town. Uh, so that was really frustrating. And then the second one was uh, he made a big power challenge. I let it go, so I knew knowing he would get to like 9 or 10, but I would be able to get to 14 in my challenges. Uh, and then he reminded me that Pinch could come out of shadows and not just be ambushed with the raider. And I was like, oh yeah, you can play it like a proper card. So he pinched my Renly. I lost lots of power. I couldn't make all the challenges. And that was that. And I was just like, that was just really, really frustrating. Um, Ouch. Yeah. Either of those mistakes, if I had killed the, um, if I had killed the Euron, I'd have been able to get, uh, get you know, be way easier to make my own challenges because I wouldn't have to be dealing with the Intimidate all the time. If I had blocked the challenge, it would have stopped me getting one of my challenges off, but I'd have still got one. And it would have slowed me down slightly, but I wouldn't have lost my Renly or my Randall or whoever it was. So that was incredibly frustrating. But there you go, it happens. So it's 2-1. Uh, and I walk into Joe Zimmer, who I hear is a good player. Uh, he's <laughs> won some games in the past. Um, you'll hear all about his legendary exploits with Peel from the Friday, if you listen to episode 100. He was playing Targaryen Banner of the Lion, which is a rather aggro-y deck um, using... Uh, Jamie and the Mountain and Drogo and Illum Payne to just murder the shit out of everything. Um, and you can go and get uh, icon attachments for Gregor with Gift to the Widow, which is great. Um, and that just was grim. He set up a duped or a tripped Gregor, uh, which meant I couldn't remove Gregor for the entire game. And so I couldn't win a military challenge uh, at all. Um, he wasn't killing anything. Because between Conclave and Mace, I could manipulate the top of my deck, so I don't think he really got anything with Gregor. But just the the mound of renown that was going on him that I yeah. couldn't deal with, and normally I can deal with it because I run both Valors, um, just put me behind. And then the general aggro from his deck, combined with my severe lack of military icons, which is quite common in my Tyrell Conclave decks, or in my Conclave decks, mm-hmm. but was particularly exasperating in this game. Um, meant that Joe just yeah got to 15 way quicker than I could do anything with. So that was annoying. So then I got matched up with uh, another aggro deck, uh, piloted by Ash from London, uh, and that was the Free Folk. And I was like, oh, well, this is sad. Uh, so he did Free Folk things and wiped my board turn one. And I was like, yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> Expecting that is okay, yeah. So I managed to take him, I think, eight plots. Um, wow. I played pretty Good. well. I got to a decent amount of power, but there was, you know, it was really difficult to get anywhere serious with it. There were some great plays where I was, um, you know, Renly's ride at the key time and uh, healing expertise to mitigate board losses and all this kind of thing, some key valors. But a, cheap, a duped Mance on turn one just made it really difficult to come back from because uh, suddenly he had a big character on all challenges with Renown yeah. that I couldn't valor. Uh, and that's when I realized that the original build, which had um, Pinch of Powder, I should probably bring Pinch of Powder back because I need a way to remove these characters when they get a dupe. Uh, so that was enlightening. Don't drop Pinch of Powder. Uh, yeah, it's a good card. It is a good card. So Ash won that mm. in what... Look, he looked very stressed through the whole thing. And I was quite stressed as well. But it was a fun game. He always does. I played Ash and looked very, very stressed for the entire game. <laughs> <I worked. laughs> he looks a lot less stressed when he's playing in the pub. I can tell you that. So... Um, in round six, when it got paired, Peel and I got matched up together. So we were both on 2-3. Uh, and now, sadly, Peel has left the room. He's restarting his laptop to try and uh, get that connection. Frustratingly, when we sat down, we thought, this is going to be really exciting, because if I win this game, I might be top, t- top four for Tyrell to get the prizes. But if Peel wins this game, he will be top 16 for Greyjoy to get the prizes. So we got a bit of a thing going on. And then sat next to us was uh, Ian Pollard, who he didn't need any prizes, but he was playing against uh, Ben Allen. And Ben Allen was a great joy. So it's like, well, we need Ian to beat Ben so that he drops the low peel either way. You know, and there's kind of like this good uh, prize support uh, banter going on between the four of us. And then you repaired. So, you know, you, you make mistakes and you learn from them, right? We had a, discuss- <laughs> we had a discussion 
at half to, uh, halfway through the day, you know, when at lunch, as to when we were going to distribute the prize support. Uh, because the way the prize support was set up this year was the, the top 16 players of every house were supposed to basically get um, what were essentially participation prizes, especially in a tournament as small as this, which has 79 players. Um, there was not going to be more than 16 of every single house. Um, so the chances are everyone that played would get, uh, get prize support. As it turned out, there was one faction that had more than 16 players, and that was, of course, Greyjoy. But everyone else essentially made top 16 of their faction. You know, if there were 10 Martell players, then all 10, 10 of them, even the 10th player, was still in top 16 of his faction. So we established that we had to give out prize support, that, that we could give out prize support. Basically, and we didn't have to give out the Greyjoy stuff until the last round, until we established who the top 16 of the like the 18 or 19 it was. But everyone else, we, you know, we could just decide when to give a prize support out. So we kind of looked around and went, uh, we should wait to the last round uh, because, you know, you don't want people to drop. You don't want people to get, the, get their um, the prize support and then go, oh, fuck it, I'm 0 and 4, screw it, I'm, I'm leaving. You want to keep many, as many people in as you can. But then we were kind of like, ah, do you know what? It would be easier to kind of split up the kind of prize support stuff. So at the beginning of round five, I think it was, uh, we kind of went, do you know what? We'll give all the non-Greyjoy stuff out. So we waltzed around the whole place, gave out all the prize support for everyone. Uh, and then when it got to get into game five, there were enough people kind of came up and went, cool, we've got a prize support, right? We're going to drop that. And we are fucking kicking ourselves. We should have just hold on that extra, held on that extra round. The issue, what now when people come up and tell you they've dropped, I always make a note that they've told you they've dropped. Um, and of course, the pride, the, the, the match slips that come out have a box on them that say, you know, that whether you're going to drop mm-hmm. or not. And we usually catch them as, as well. But basically, there were two people that dropped that either didn't tell me they were dropping before they left or they'd ticked the box and hadn't. What, what, however, however, it worked out, there were two people that hadn't dropped. And so we paired the whole thing up and went, ah, shit. If it had been one person, I'd have figured out a fudge way around it, but there was two, maybe three people. So unfortunately, yeah, you had to get repaired. It didn't take long, but it did split up the magic six-round match at the pool. So, you know, shit happens. I, I'm i sorry. That's fair. Uh, it's probably for the best, because Peel's competitive rate against me is quite good. Uh, I think Peel is 2-0 against me competitively. Ooh, uh, okay. Once in first head and once in second head. So the left, the fewer times we're going to repeat that matchup again, the better. So we just tease yeah. the potential matchup yeah. and then kind of split you boys up. Yeah. It is always a bit weird that, like in a private format, I lose every time. Well, not every time, but you know what I mean. Like predominantly private format, Dave will generally beat me for some reason in the tournament. I just. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. I just I don't know whether it's maybe it's because I spend all the time being beaten by one particular deck. I go right. I want a deck to beat that deck for the actual tournament, and don't worry about it. So after you messed up the pairings, Tony, um, I eventually got paired with Ian Pollard, who was part of my cabal of uh, discussing price support, and uh, <laughs> that was a really fun game. He was playing a Stark Fealty, Stark Winter. Sorry. Uh, Kings of Winter, Winter, Winter yeah. yeah, which is quite interesting. Uh, turns out the Stark Winter location that gives you gold is actually quite good now, because there aren't many summer plots yeah. around at all. People are no longer opening time of plenty, um, and trade routes are restricted, so you really don't see that many. Uh, certainly worth considering in the right deck. He was obviously playing quite an aggro-y, kill lots of things deck, but not too many two claim plots as I was expecting from him. Uh, and it all came down to. Um, the final turn, where he made a power challenge. Well, it always comes down to the final turn, I guess. But uh, it came. He made <laughs> he made a power challenge for like um, seventeen, and he stealthed Renly, and I had exactly seventeen strength left on the board, but I had an oh. off to go town in hand, so Maester Raymond <laughs> could gain a power icon. Oh, it was wonderful, and he was like, "No, I'm not off to go town." And I was like, "Ha ha ha! Block for 19. <laughs> And then my Renly won a challenge on attack, and I won. It was so much fun. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, but the upside of that is that I won my game, so I made top four Tyrell. So mm-hmm. I got the Tyrell swag I wanted. Peel won his game, mm-hmm. which he didn't actually mention. Um, and he made top 16 for Greyjoy, which meant I got his swag, because I own all the things, because I paid for all the cards. <laughs> so that was the really win-win good. Thing, right? <laughs> Um, and thinking about Waffle, actually, like I've got my, uh, I brought his Tyrell, uh, no, his um, his Preston Greenfield 
Matt down to London because I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a bit of a go. Because uh, he yeah. won that at Starlight all those years ago. Um, oh. Yeah, so that's nice to bring it all together. That's only been here like, yeah, since Nationals, I think. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so that was the Nationals joust. I guess we should congratulate James Wormsley. Who? On, yeah, I know. Awful. That guy. The guy I gave the prize to. Yeah. Yeah, some, some scrub from Stevenage won it in the end. Yeah. Um, but let's not worry about that. I think that as far as the podcast is concerned, the most important statistic that everyone needs to know is that Peel came closer to the top than you Thank did. you for listening to this episode, everybody. It has been a pleasure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he came, what, 31st, 32nd? Something like that, yeah. I've not got it up anymore. He came but, 31st yeah. and I came 34th. Mm. Considering I went... I went 2-0, yeah. so my strength of schedule would have been better, but apparently it just doesn't work like that. Ah, oh. heartbreaking. Uh, there was a, a five-minute segment of the day where Peel was king of Swiss. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> just, uh, But again, if you play Grudger Crossing, and the thing about registering uh, everyone's deck as they were coming in, all the and I was getting all the deck lists emailed to me, obviously, and so I was looking through them in the morning, and it's like, fucking Grudger Crossing, Grudger Crossing, Grudger Crossing, Grudger Crossing, oh, more Crossing, more Crossing. I swear there was like 30 crossing decks that were coming. Obviously, there were. There were, you know, 18, 19 or something like that, but it just felt like everyone was playing crossing. And the thing about crossing is that, yeah, it can sometimes be over quite quickly. So um, Peel won his first two games and it finished his second game really quickly. And so I put his uh, his result into Jason Pavone and instantly he went off. <laughs> I think he, he was one of only two people that actually finished both their games. So... Um, I think you've got a screen grab of it. You put it up on Facebook yeah. of uh, Tom Peel, uh, King of Swiss, for uh, about five minutes until I put someone else's uh, result in. <laughs> so, yeah, good times, good times. Yeah, it was won by someone playing Star, and the day the, the day in general went really well. So, the top sixteen we played on the Sunday. There were, I think, out of sixteen uh, players, I think there were maybe seven or eight Greyjoys at the end. Again, I, I, I closed down Jason Fernand, but there were seven or eight Greyjoy players. I remember going along the pairings and seeing a, a, what I thought was a Greyjoy at pretty much every table. I think it worked out that there was maybe one or two that they weren't because it was at least a, a, there was a Greyjoy pairing up uh, uh, at one point. But obviously, quite a lot of Greyjoy. So it was the last time you could run Vince and some Ironmans at the same time. Um, so, so yeah, it was very, very Greyjoy heavy. Hence the reason that uh, there was one or two people that went away with no swag, unfortunately. But, you know, as we said on the day, that's what you get for playing Greyjoy. Someone has to come last. Yeah. So, yeah, top 16 went pretty swimmingly, apart from a, uh, uh, an unfortunate game loss and disqualification we had to give to someone. Due to a legal, uh, due to a mishap involving orange attachments, I think. I know. Can you imagine that? <laughs> The TO was much more, much harsher this year than they were a couple of years ago. <laughs> but that actually, I guess that made them have an illegal, well, I had an illegal deck, but if you took it out, it was still 60 or more cards. And it matched the deck list if you just took it out. Whereas this suddenly was a 57 card deck that was missing cards. 58, 58 cards. Two of the um, uh, attachments were stuck in someone's melee deck, as we discovered while the rounds were going on. So unfortunately, that top 16 game was probably an illegal deck. But that was just a minor blip. And, uh, yeah, we went through to what was looking, gearing up to be a really top-notch eventful final with uh, Richard Walker, who had gone undefeated all the previous day. Um, and that day. And, yeah, and obviously on that day, yeah. Um, I was playing an absolute blinder. And then, unfortunately, as so often happens with card games, his deck crapped out on him. And it crapped out on him when he was playing Wama, <laughs> which, you know, you can't really let happen. So... Um, I think that game lasted half an hour, uh, half an hour, maybe a little bit more uh, of a two-hour final. So, you know, gave me a bit of time off, admittedly. But um, yeah, congrats, well done. You are a grand national champion. Yeah, well, congratulations to Richard and well done to Whammer, I guess. Obviously, we can't give him too much praise based on our relationships at present. I think there's one more thing I want to mention about the joust, aside from thanking you and George, who did an amazing job. Uh, and that's uh, saying congratulations to Ben Cotton. Yeah, well, for those who don't know who Ben Cotton is, he is a player from Sheffield who we've known for a while. Um, he had a fantastic innings. Where did he finish? He finished. He finished like third or fourth. Third. Right? He lost in third, the final round of Swiss to Whammer. 
And he would have lost in the top 16 if not for the DQ, but then he lost in the top four to Whammer. So two losses to Whammer and a sort of loss to Martin Lewis. Mm. But in all of those six, seven, eight, nine games, he did the Ben Coleman thing. He opened (laughs) with naval superiority and he hit in every single game. So well done to Ben. I'm not sure how many people knew about that going into the tournament. Obviously, we've discussed it on the cast before. He's got a reputation amongst people who know him. Whammer certainly knew and yeah. decided in both instances it was either worth opening out the gates or I think in the King of Swiss game he opened marched, um, yeah. knowing that it was the right thing to do, even if he got no gold. Uh, but that's still a fantastic achievement by Ben Cotton. Uh, and uh, we were really rooting for you because we would have just loved it so much if you went to Worlds and just opened Mabel every single game. <laughs> And I was just like, I want to buy a ticket to Worlds just to go and watch him. Just to hold his drink yeah. while he does it for the entire day. I don't even want to play. Um, but sadly, it's not to be. Um, and this is the thing. I mean, anyone that listened to our Stalic report from not last year or the year before yeah. will hear my thunderous... Well. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, hear my thunderous fury about... And this is before I kind of... It might have been the first time I'd met him. But my thunderous fucking fury at the man who opened uh, Naval in a melee game when I opened Late Summer Feast. And uh, just... Oh, I was so angry. Um, but it's become very much a kind of... It's, it's become a thing. And it's something It's something he was doing, you know, that, that he was he was doing in most, in most of his decks even before, you know, the current uh, trend, which is to open out the gates. It's a decent opening plot, and you know it's a fairly decent meta call. Even though it wasn't a meta call, it's just what Ben does right? <laughs> to um, perfectly uh, slot in opening it nine games in a row. It just would have been great to make it ten games in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Whether he won the final or not, you know, just to kind of say you got to the final, the you know the final at nationals or whatever we're calling it now, um, opening naval ten times in a row, and I think uh, even uh, as more and kind of more than you know I think it's still a great opening plot but as as we kind of go on it will become less of a you know less of a thing to necessarily open with it so yeah it was just perfect timing played perfectly well he was playing Targ Fealty I think yes, I think it's right. Fealty and his deck is actually up on Thrones DB if you have a look for it and uh, it's real real good and he's done a full kind of report for it so yeah well done Ben it was uh, an unexpected pleasure to see you in the top four so uh, long, long may your navel drain. <laughs> yeah. Top notch. I get, oh, there is one more thing to do with the joust, actually, in that you mentioned Peel finishing above me in this. Yes. And, I, and I said how he's got a winning competitive record against me. I've been on to Peel's Jousting Pavilion page, yeah. uh, which obviously has his all his second edition tournaments, which is actually quite few because it doesn't include some of the early ones when he was playing yeah. a bit more regularly, i.e. when I was yeah. driving to tournaments. And if you strip out the UK TC performances, uh-huh. oh, yeah. uh, he has finished above me in four tournaments huh. out of eight. Huh. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Uh, and in his last three tournaments, he's had a positive or neutral record. So that's not too bad. Last time I played him, I think, was in Manchester last year. I think I had beat him in the Swiss. And then we played a game that night, and he absolutely thrashed me. So ah, yes. I've got, I think I've got the opposite. Um, the opposite. <laughs> it's not really a problem, is it? To, to win in competitive games, not winning. <laughs> uh, games, I mean, that's, that's what you want. That's the right way around, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> that is the uh, the correct way, not the not the, the 2 oh, one if you don't count first edition. But I absolutely do, because otherwise all my records would be terrible. Well... Um, <laughs> Very quick chat about melee. Yeah, okay, yeah, you were playing melee, weren't you? I had I had a little bit less to do with melee because it was a toxic thing going on, but uh, uh, the fabulous George was uh, um, toing the melee. Uh, fantastic job he did, did as well. Um, so yeah, go on. You you were playing some uh, some multiplayer thrones, weren't you? I was playing multiplayer thrones. I played Greyjoy Rose. I stole the deck from Will Lentz, who's a wonderful person for sending it to me. It, um, it was very strong. It's classic, you know, Balon is good. You can stand him if you boost his strength, and if you boost his strength, he's even better. What's not to love? Um, and other things along that nature. Uh, it was really fun. There's cross-tail strength boosts, which are interesting. Um, I'm a pretty solid melee player, so I was really... I was. It was interesting to play more boosty stuff, whereas previously I played a lot of burn in 2nd edition. Um, mm. So it was interesting to get the other angle of the negotiation. 
which is really exciting. Um, my first game I played again, I, I don't remember everyone on the tables, but uh, Bambi was on the table. Stefan, I think, from Germany, and uh, Rebecca. That was a horrible game because Bambi had car hold. And so oh, was a nasty old thing in... Um, such a in dick, Melik. <laughs> uh, in the final turn, he warded my... You know the Greyjoy card with the terrible anime art that gives stuff stealth? The Salt Sailor. Yes, he warded that. Uh, and if he didn't, then he probably wouldn't have been able to close, and I would have closed. Hmm. Uh, I was going second, so I didn't get a chance to attempt it. Uh, but if I had that with the extra stealth, it would have been fine. Um, so if he, had, if he hadn't have beaten you, you'd have won? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but as it was, I came joint second, which is third. So that was grim. Yeah, for um, yeah. But then I went on to play uh, two more tables, and I won both of those. So that oh. was good. Uh, so I finished with, like, I think 31 points. Uh, and in the absence of other any evidence, I'm pretty sure that puts me fifth, right? Because pretty much everyone who won two tables would have been in the final or around there anyway. It's the absence of any evidence bit that I'll, I'll double down on, but uh, you can. I'm, I'm pretty sure you and George said, yeah, that's fine. So uh, yeah, yeah, probably, like, yeah, to be honest. Fine. I can't remember. Well, it, was, it, was in, it was in a chat afterwards. Um, it's yeah. anything to ask on the day. Who doesn't, who doesn't take scores? Ridiculous. Me. Ridiculous. Well, we, sort that out for next year, mate. We don't take scores. Hey, and, look, last year you didn't even play second edition cards, mate. That is very true. That is very true. And I fixed it this time. And I, the thing is, this year, I don't know where I finished. And last year, you wouldn't give me any points. So. Yeah, well, we're, we're asleep after the fucking tournament. And the second and the second half of the tournament, you got up, picked up a first edition deck and thought you could carry on playing. Don't fucking remind me. You you, you okayed it. You yeah. It. You said, if it's all right with your, your table. And I was just like, well, is it okay? And they said yes. And then they regretted it. Oh, was it Liam? It was oh, Liam's okay. decision, and it wouldn't have been mine. God. Oh, that's fine. It was good. Vince's, <laughs> Vince's reaction was just, oh, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> but when he tricksy birded me, he had a good time. That's right. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so that was the melee. Congratulations to Bambi, who won the melee, as could be reasonably expected. I mean, the final was uh, him, Vince... Uh, Paul Geddes. Paul Geddes and um, Wedge. And you would expect Vince, Wedge and Bambi to be in a final of a Melo tournament. That's perfectly reasonable. They are all fantastic Melo players. So yeah. congratulations to Paul as well, because uh, I know he's had some uh, rough times in Melo before. So he did really well to get there and then got absolutely trounced by Bambi because that is a terrible matchup. <laughs> With all his summer nights. <laughs> well, I didn't get a chance to see much of the Melo, but I remember coming over to the final table and, and seeing Paul there and seeing his uh, shiny green summer nights deck. And then looking at Bambi's, uh, Bambi's table uh, and it had car hold on it and I just kind of looked at Paul and kind of shook my head and went, no, what you can do about that, right? He was like, fuck that card. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think he was a bit of an on. I, I don't know. I mean, I've, again, I've read this tournament report and he, he, he did, um, I think when he finished the game, he realised that he got like a, a, a boost on a power challenge from his title that he'd forgotten about. So you could have stopped be winning or something like that. But this is all rabbit chasing. This is all kind of uh, yeah. post stuff. I'm sure, you know, Bambi definitely fucking won that table because Bambi's a fucking monster. Very true, very true. Um, yeah, the only other good thing to mention about the Sunday was that we discovered the big pint. Uh, you and your big pints. There was a lot of big pint selfies that day. Yeah, there was a place that sold uh, beer cheaper if you bought two beers in one glass than just one beer in the other place. And it had better beer, better, stronger beer. So that was amazing. Um, mm. I have several empty big pints downstairs in the kitchen cupboard. <laughs> you Alex, kept the... and Alex and I took them because they're actually quite sturdy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we thought, actually, this is going to be pretty convenient for um, homemade big pints. Because they're going to fit like three cans of beer in there. Because <laughs> the, <last, laughs> the last round of big pints, the first one was two pints. The second one was like two and a half pints. Mm. So they, they ran out of regular big pint glasses and got bigger pints. And that was amazing. You don't expect to come away from a big kind of games convention like that raving about beer. No, that's true. I bought exactly one gaming-related thing. Yeah. I bought a dice bag. Yeah. Didn't even buy a game. Fucking okay, hell. Yeah, even that's, that's quite a thing for you, though. You still bought a dice bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a... It's a one that stands on its... Not on its own two feet, but like... Stands on its bottom, so you can just put it on the table and take your Arkham tokens out of it. That's I only ever play LCGs, so. 
Okay, so uh, going on to our final segment of the day, and Peel has been able to join us back again right now, which is wonderful. The magics of technology. We are going to, in honour of our 101st episode, uh, do a bit of a callback to our first episode. Uh, Those of you who are that old and remember back to the depths of 2015 may remember that uh, our podcast was started on a road trip back from Stoke when we decided that we wanted to do one uh, which is a bit more chatty and it was a bit uh, of, you know, what was it, what's it like to chat cards in the pub with Craven, Peel and Dave? Uh, we want that in a podcast form. Um, and just like being in the pub, it involved Peel looking at pictures of pandas on his phone and um, talking about how Stark were basically banned now that Mira Reed was restricted. Um, and with such insights as that, banter was born. Uh, a couple of weeks later, we were in Norwich for the Norwich Regional, and that's where we actually decided on a, a cast name and the tagline, unopposed to claim banter. We're in the wonderful uh, Ten Bells pub. Uh, but before that, during the day, Craven was commentating on the Norwich Regional stream, and he started asking the people in the chat and the people that were with him, uh, or not me, obviously, because I was in the top four, uh, but uh, asking the people that were in the people in the chat what their favourite cards were, and more specifically what their favourite cards, beginning with particularly particular letters, were. Uh, and so when we started our podcast, the first twenty six episodes, twenty six episodes, twenty seven episodes, had a little segment at the end called cards beginning with. And now second edition has come to a point where we've got a nice big card pool of uh, seven boxes and seven cycles. No, seven cycles, seven boxes and six cycles. Shame, that would have been really good thematically for like a seven gods kind of thing. Uh, seven boxes and six cycles and three core sets. Uh, we can now bring it back. So every week or every episode rather now, uh, each of us will talk about what our favourite card beginning with that letter is. Now, for those who don't remember the rules, we can only say one card. That was Craven's number one rule and we broke it almost every single week, but we must only say one card each. Uh, And cards beginning with Sir are not cards beginning with, you know, it's Sir Axel Florent. It's not Axel Florent. It is Sir Axel Florent. It begins with an S. But also, Sir is a separate category to S. So we'll do that separately. Otherwise, we'll all just talk about how great the knights are when we get to S. So, as as new Craven, would you like to go first, Tony? I I would love to go first. I would also love to tell you a small story and I can't remember if I've told you this before uh, or whether I have told you and you've poo-pooed it or not but <laughs> excuse me um, that uh, that Norwich tournament when Craven and whoever he was sitting whoever he was with was commenting I think it was Reese, but I'm not sure I was watching that online at the time and commenting away as you do on the internet typey 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 troll 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 as you do and I'm pretty sure I remember right but you know, he he, would, he he might say different. I'm pretty sure this whole thing was my idea. The podcast or the uh, the segment? Not the podcast. God no, no, definitely not a podcast. Podcast. <laughs> We'd come up with monsters like this, <laughs> but the card beginning, the card beginning with dot dot dot. I'm pretty sure it was my idea. It could well ah. be. He definitely claims it in the first episode, or at least I'm pretty sure he claims it. I seem to remember a conversation going along the lines of. Uh, for fuck's sake, guys, what are you going to talk about next? Don't tell me it's going to be like our favourite cards beginning with blah, blah, blah. Being very condescending and being very cheesy <laughs> about you guys, have you? And Craven going, do you know what? That's a fucking great idea. And the 27-part segment was born. Right? <laughs> but, you know, but it doesn't matter who come up with these things. Obviously, I'm, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll take credit for it, I mean, but I'm happy to kick off Mark two. Just We can always dig into episode one later and see who See who takes credit for it. I'm pretty sure he doesn't give you credit. But whether he takes the sure. credit, I don't know. I'm Yeah, there's there's many different ways it's I don't I can't remember. It's been a it's been a very history, very, history yeah. by the winners, guys. And we didn't know you yeah. at that point, of course, Tony. Because we we exactly. only met a few months before at the first weekender, of which today right. is the fourth anniversary. Which we found out Oh, uh, that's nice. found out today. Oh, excellent. Four years ago, yeah, nice. I was drinking Baileys and gin and banter in Mache's flat. So, like, nothing changes. Well, there you go. So that the... Okay, yeah, I've got to remember that. Yeah. Uh, so actually, yeah, we would have met four years ago tomorrow, I think. Yeah, correct. I remember being utterly, utterly demolished. In fact, that was the weekend where 
Helen and I came, I think, almost joint last wow. uh, in Manchester. <laughs> and then on the Sunday in Stockton, we pretty much almost came joint last, apart from the fact that I had to play her to kind of discover who did come last. <laughs> and she came last. Oh, and came But yeah. Anyway, cards. I was having a look at the numerous cards, beginning with A. And a lot now. I mean, there's some great cards in there, beginning with A. And there's this one in particular that we've already mentioned on, on this cast that I imagine might well be uh, someone's choice. But that's very boring. My favourite card, beginning with A, is Alliance. Ah. ah. It is I think a- you're going to go with that. I thought you were going to go with something else. Because I'm not going with what I think you're, you think I'm going with, funny enough. I can't pick another card. I was considering picking Alistair Florham. Alistair Alistair Florham is very good, but he's an S. So mm. pick him, you know, leave him to... Leave him to where he is an S, right? Alistair Florence is, is, uh, is not Alistair. an S. I don't think, is he? Never mind. No. Well, <laughs> either way, we don't count because of the Sirs no. and because there'd be so many. Yeah. He's um, Alistair yeah. We Florent. count the names. So you... Alistair Florent is an A. Axel Florent is, uh, is a C. Is a C. Right. Alistair Florent is very, 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 very good. But we're not, it's not about what's good, is it? What, what your favourite card is. Yes. And for me... It's definitely Alliance. For me, it it's it's a, a kind of weird... I think it'll be like an evergreen agenda. It was in a box, right? No, it wasn't. was it in a pack? It was in a pack. Damn it. Ah, the idea that it would cycle out is very, very... It's, it's a huge shame because not only... Alliance is still strong, I think. Callum made a top 16 uh, the, the other week there with a bad Alliance deck. Alliance essentially makes the Cahor agenda as well. Alliance allows you to 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 run two banner agendas, so you can run a banner uh, banner of the X and the cohort agenda. I love an agenda that means you can put seventy five cards in your deck because I mean, who doesn't love having seventy five cards in the deck? It's it, it enabled me to build uh, my um, famously not actually that good, but a ton of fun to play Martel Stag Cohort. Um, it still to this day is uh, with the battle box out is making me want to. Uh, rebuild uh, Battle Rose Cohort, which I took to Starlight last year. Um, it's just with hopefully with more agendas with a banner trait on them, it's always going to make decks flexible. It's enables me to not cut as many cards as I would normally cut out my deck. Obviously, what well, I'm talking about, 75 cards, 76 cards. Absolutely. One for luck. One for luck, yeah, always. And it would be a shame if that cycles out, actually, because I love... I love the idea of having multiple cards in your deck. It enables a hell of a lot more jank than is maybe usually prevalent in second edition. Maybe less, you know, more so there's more jank now than there was, but um, I think Alliance, because of the deck building restrictions that are in second ed, uh, Alliance enables you to kind of get around some of that, enables you to fanny about with cards from multiple houses. Love it. Absolutely love it. And it's, it's, it's basically when I'm building a deck, it's always a thought. <laughs> it's always a possibility. I'll build a main faction and kind of go, can I cohort this? Or do I chuck in two other factions? <laughs> do I want five cards? Because I've got, look how many cards I've got on the table. There's about 150. Uh, let's go down to 76. Let's not go down to 61. What do I want? I want that faction and that faction. Marvel. Um, so it, do you start a deck with one, um, <laughs> one main faction of like 80 cards and then like seven 20 card sub themes yeah. adding from all the different factions then you look at the wall and you go right these two are the best of the themes let's put them in isn't that how everyone builds their deck right? yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Just <laughs> you read my article <laughs> I did yeah so yeah you get your 8 card deck and then you kind of go ah these 20 arts are good these 20 are good <laughs> we'll put them in and then you whittle it down and you come down to 76 yeah. and then you, yeah, yeah. Right, it's grand uh, Alliance is always, for me, is always a possibility. For me, it makes the game much more fun. Uh, it makes the deck support more flexible. Um, there's a hell of a lot more chance involved, obviously, with a 75 card deck, but these days there are more ways to kind of cycle through your deck. There's a lot more drawn in, in, in the game. And, uh, yeah, it will always be fun, and it will always be my favourite card beginning with A. Oh, that was lovely. It, you're definitely right. It is a real shame that it's it, it will cycle up. Yeah, I'll be disappointed when it goes. Yeah, um, and I re- yeah suddenly it went from uh, a kind of a, yeah a complete jank agenda which was kind of interesting but not good to suddenly go mm. oh actually Cobalt's a banner. 
This makes yeah. this amazing and really interesting to build with. Uh, and suddenly it's just, yeah, so good. Uh, but are you really saying that Kohor is your favourite card beginning with A? Or are you going to say it for cards beginning with T? <laughs> what happens when we get to T, shall yeah. we? But, but I don't know, not necessarily. I just think that, I mean, the agenda is, I mean, that agenda, we'll, we'll talk about that agenda. Uh, we can talk about that when we get to T. Um, I just think it's always there to give you a bit more, uh, to uh, get more, a bit more jank flexibility. And up until the, I mean, up until the Battle Box was released a couple of weeks ago, Battle Rose Cohort was pretty much the best Barra deck, mm. I think, and one of the best Barra decks that's been about for the last like seven or eight months. Um, it was, you know, it was the best Barra deck at, at, uh, um, at Starlight, but I mean, that's not saying much. <laughs> I, I, I realize that, but it just enables, it enables so much good shit. I'll always enjoy a bit of Alliance. Okay. Uh, Peel, what's your favorite card beginning with A? See, I like to keep it simple, uh, and I'm going to go with the only logical card to have in your deck if it begins with A, uh, and for some reason you're building a deck that result, revolves around the alphabet, um, <laughs> which I feel is just bad planning on your part. I wonder part. if you could perfectly uh, balance a... Uh... I don't know, but it's definitely a project for the rest of the... Uh, as we're working through. But, oh, there you go. We, could, oh, we can't build a deck. Wow. Yes, we can. 78 cards. Yeah, we can three do it. Of each, three of each letter, maybe. We're gonna, yeah, yeah, we we can we can I, do. It. I've googled ahead, guys. We're going to struggle when we get to Z. That's yes, yes, we'll yes. deal with that it, when we get there. Cards containing uh, Z. <laughs> it will just do like Targaryen cards or something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they're almost all Targaryen cards. <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah. So basically, I think my favorite card beginning with A is the Acolyte of the Wave. Ooh, shocker! Mm. I like this. I like this card a lot. It's a kind of. It's a fantastic. Uh, it does exactly what you need a plain folk to do and uh, and give you power. Uh, there, there's no argument to not have that in your deck. There's, there's none at all. Uh, obviously, unless you're not playing Greyjoy. That's probably a logical argument. But if you are in any way playing Greyjoy, this card is just... Uh, fuck it. They cost two gold. It's one strength. It's got power icon. Interrupt when it goes. You know, it gains a power for the fucking... It's the perfect plain soak card. Uh, and obviously with, with Grazer, you can trigger it off other cards which shan't be named on this episode. <laughs> but no, but you know what I mean, though? You just have, you put down, say you get like two of them on setup, that's two power on the board, unless someone cancels it, in which case you're like, oh, well, that's a character action, that means you've wasted that on this, and, you know, there, there are some better character actions. So it's it's one of these lovely, subtly kind of good cards, which aren't, going to jump out and no one's going to think they're a threat but that's three power from effectively fuck all. I completely agree Peel. Great analysis. I think that and that and what the bastard daughter are exactly what you want in Claimsville, right? Claimsville. Yeah, it's literally there's no other, like two gold is the lowest you're going to get a character out for and, you know, I'd rather have a character that has, you know, instead of having one strength and two icons, for example, I'd rather have one that just dies and gives me power, because that's what he's there for. Yeah, it's yeah. a shame he doesn't have a military icon instead of yeah, a power a icon, and that's it. And when that... So it is a little bit. still great, though. So, he's still... Yeah. The power choice in my isn't deck, exactly a bad thing. So, and good with Vince. He's also got exactly the right bloody trait as well, because he's got you know, because he's a drowned god, then everything else that triggers off drowned gods is just makes him even more, even better value. Yeah, it, it, it's drowned just cycles and all that stuff. I mean, they could have they, they could have turned the power down and just made them like an ally or just made yeah. them, but no, they made him drowned gods. So yeah, they could have made it a companion because you know. Um, but it's either way, anything he's fine, he's happy, he's lovely, he's perfect, he's literally. Done. Claim so cards. And claim so cards are, you know, probably the most important section of your deck because you've got a, like you said, you build around eight cards, um, realistically, and then you bulk it out with whatever the fuck you want or need to. Ever won a power challenge with one? Ever had to win a power challenge with one? <laughs> yeah. Military. Oh, well, I wonder who I'm going to kill. Ah, fantastic. I'll have a power for that, your privilege. Um, but yeah, if it had a military icon, that would make it, you know, a little bit better, but not massively amount. Uh, intrigue icon would be nice as well. You know, maybe give us one of each. Oh, Why not? Let's have that. <laughs> yeah. That's your trap card. Make it a tricon. The tricon acolyte when it dies. Yeah. Costs three, though. Ah, Can't be given away. <laughs> no, you, you claim two, you're going to be triggered twice per round somehow. <laughs> you're like, ah! <laughs> Get them interrupt and save them. Like, why? Wow, they just make any sense. It does. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, he's an annoyingly <laughs> good card. I'll give you that. Okay. Was the, I, I know you've got to disappear, Peel. Was there anything else you wanted to add before you headed off? Uh, there is obviously a special kind of place in my heart for a certain card, and I think we all know it as the Gift of Arbor Red, oh, yeah. or a Gift of Arbor. But obviously, that's always going to be there, and that was, you know, that was my, that was in one of my cards because it's a remake of a first head card. I can basically say it's already been in my list. That is true. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was in cards beginning with M. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, and oh, he's gone. <laughs> that's what happens when your when your battery runs okay. out. Okay. See you yeah. later, Peel. Um, okay. Bye. My favourite card, beginning with A, is... I'm really trying to figure... I mean, I think I might know what it is. And I'll tell you if I'm right or not, but, but go on. That is always fun, trying to guess. It's a game of Savas. No. <laughs> it is not a game of Savas. <laughs> now, as a, as a thought experiment, I just went through the list of first edition cards, beginning with A. All right? Yeah. And the first yeah. one that jumped out at me was a game of Savas. And the second one was a different card. And going, th- uh, going through the list of second edition cards that begin with A, the first card that jumped out at me was the same title as this second card, the, the first edition card. And I can't remember what I actually said in the first episode, but if I didn't say Game of Savas, I probably said Ariane Martel. Uh, and this time okay, I'm yeah. going to say Ariane Martel, who was my favourite my favorite corset card. Uh, although I didn't say that in the corset review, I said the Red Keep. It's definitely Ariane Martel. She is just so wonderful. She enables so many different things. Before we got Flea Bottom, she was a great way of uh, making it a bit more efficient to play those um, those ambush chuds that took icons and bounced people and that kind of thing. Uh, she's really interesting design, and she's the Millennium Falcon. What, what more can I say? That's what the Falcon does. Um, I just, yeah, I just, I think she's really fun to play. Uh, she drives opponents crazy but she's not she doesn't win games on her own she's not like a big beefy renowned character she's just a really interesting mid-range tempo card uh that i think is really fun to play not sure how much else i can say on that uh i'm sure if you've listened to any of the last 75 episodes you've heard me talk about ariane enough so <laughs> about 100 episodes because i'd have been talking about ariane in some guys since then was forecast ariane martel your card beginning with the first i don't know i think it was I think it would have been. Mm. If it wasn't Game of Savas, it would have been her. Uh, mm. Yeah. So, yeah. What a mm. wonderful, lovely little card Ariane is. And you think that she's still... Uh, I mean, she's still obviously playable, but with now, like, two two other Ariane Martels out, she's still a solid card. You know how the, you know, the problem with some new cards that come out, oh, they're fantastic, but unfortunately they are named the same as others. Yeah. So, even with the release of Great Hall, I don't think that the seven cost Ariane is good. She's got a really high cap, uh, and there are some decks that want her. But if mm-hmm. you're running her, you're probably also running Great Halls. You're probably also running other high cost Martel characters. Firstly, I don't think that's mm-hmm. a good deck compared to like every other Martel deck. She's a massive investment. Uh, even if she is essentially Gaston Grey, she just mm-hmm. she doesn't have the value that the other one does, and she only hits four strength characters that extra things. And so if you want extra things, mm-hmm. you have to be playing the uh, the bad summer location or investing even more in um, the Prince's Plans, which just makes her even more expensive <laughs> for a character's... You, know, I, you can use a Get the Insight Bouncer, and she's great if you can set it up to consistently do that. But at that point, it is a very, um, it's a very expensive and quite win-more-y kind of engine. So I've never found her that strong in practice. Uh, I'm really excited to play with the Shadows... Ariane? I thought you might. It's good that she's loyal, because I would hate to see her with Cersei, but also that does limit her a bit more. Um, I think she could probably slot into Vince's Martel Lion Shadows deck, which he has played Nationals as and is on Thrones DB. I recommend you all check it out. It is a wonderful deck. On a tangent, uh, I said to someone that it is in my top two decks of 2019 so far. Like That and Tyrell Conclave are by far the most two fun decks I've played uh, in the entirety of the year, definitely since before Starlight. They are really fun. And his is a, it's a real Vince deck in that it looks like a pile of cards and then you see it in action and it's got all these fine like intricate pieces which just happen to come together really well. And you could just say, yeah, they're Shadows cards, they're designed to come together really well. But like when you just play ten cards into Shadows turn one and pass, it's just a wonderful thing. Um, and yeah. slowly they come out. And I saw him play like absolute 
um, textbook fun turn in the last round against Sam Pigton, where he went from like eight four down to winning on time, where he was, uh, you know, he played he played Varus uh, twice, I think, uh, multiple times anyway, because um, he was consistently recurring his Varus, bringing him out shadows again. You know, Orphan of the Green love to pop him up, put him back in, bring him out again using uh, pr- the Loyalist, not the Loyalist, the Desert Raider oh, yeah, yeah. to um, put power on houses on people so that Varus could kill them. Um, yeah. It was it was brilliant. Uh, it was really fun to watch and it was quite tough to play, but it's very rewarding. So if you want to try Shadows deck, dig out that, play that. She probably goes into it. Yeah, it was very Shadows heavy, like more so than you would expect for something without Assault from the Shadows as an agenda. It was the vast majority of cards had Shadows, like character-wise and stuff um and it was very much you know they would, the board would often be empty by the end of marshalling turn one like character-wise and suddenly just oh. turn three or four you just see all these characters coming out and they all have plus extra strength and varus would start wrecking things and oh it was horrible yeah. wonderful uh ariane will be fun she isn't out yet so is she technically eligible for this discussion she's on thrones db mm, i would say she's i would say she's not she, you want to have played with the card at least, regard you know. Yeah. Uh, I I think if it's in red, then no. <laughs> it's on red. It's red. Red on Thrones DB. So so no. What I thought you might say, mm-hmm. and what I think I, I I think arguably is probably the most powerful card beginning with eight in the moment. It's a pinch of powder. Yeah, it is very strong. It's a fucking stupidly strong card. But it's not my favourite. No, exactly. And this is what this is all about. What your fucking favourite. I was think I was actually thinking about what my what my first bed one, uh, one was, and then it just kind of sprung to mind. I couldn't uh, I couldn't get up the uh, Thrones DB deck, the card game DB deck builder fast enough to kind of uh, go through. But I remember what my what, what my first bed one would have been, and it would have been the Ashai Initiate. Oh God, which one's that? Is that the one where you discard the top two cards of your deck to move someone from the dead to discard part? Correct. Yes. What? Fueled Barra, Barra recursion in the first head. It was uh, what gave you gave Barra its massive discard piles, and uh, you, f- you know fueled that Barra Hollow Hill deck, um, which is just ridiculous. And it and it, <laughs> it meant that regular you regularly sat up to a Barra player who basically had a huge big line of cards as their discard pile. Hmm. Um, so they could constantly see what they could recur and what they couldn't, and they were constantly oh hang on, Ultra Ganesh initiate, bosh bosh wallop. Oh, you got your uh, got your DLC worse back when they died and all that even in a deck that wasn't built to be a recursion deck you'd still get them because either they mm. were giving you um, a way to get your dead characters back and in fairness you probably only had Stannis in triplicate in most decks yeah. maybe the Night Flowers yeah. and Bob if it was a No yeah. Shadows deck um, maybe some of the King's Guard but you have other way to get them back uh, but just because of Melisandre's favour it was just amazing anyway no Melisandre's um, oh, game. Uh, and one of only like three ways to get stuff out of the discard pile that saw any play, I think. I can't think of many. Uh, there's to be a dragon, and there was um, a fiery kiss. But other than that, there's basically like no, and the king's guard plot. So yeah, yeah, very uncommon. Between fiery kiss and Ashai initiate, I mean things didn't stay there. Then all bad. Yeah. How thematic. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I I'm gonna kick off my twenty-seven with an agenda. Because, because uh, yeah, it's fucking great. And like I say, always a possibility. Fantastic. So, uh, so we got yeah, we got two characters on the agenda. I'll, I'll go away and work on B. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll have a bit more preparation for B. So that's fine. Yeah, I hear there's quite a few agendas that begin with B. Ooh, saucy. Uh, 